From the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne, this is The Yard, a podcast produced on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I am Thomas Phillips. From ants to mice to locusts, we've looked at swarms of animals. Now we're turning our attention to what happens when humans swarm. When our baser instincts take over, we can become irrational, even threatening, especially en masse. In our three stories this week, we'll hear from victims, onlookers, and even someone who is part of a menacing horde. This is the sixth episode in our Swarm series. They were developed with mentors from all the best. The stories were produced for the Science Gallery's Swarm exhibition, which is now open. Go along to hear sound swarms, sea shark swarming, and much, much more. First up, Chloe McMillan explores one pandemic phenomenon which saw human swarms changing their behavior panic buying. Stop hoarding. I can't be more blunt about it. Stop it. It's not sensible. It's not helpful. And I've got to say, it's been one of the most disappointing things I've seen in Australian behaviour in response to this crisis. flared at Woolworth Chalora around 7 o'clock this morning when three women became involved in a toilet paper tussle. I just want one pack. No, not one pack. You'd be buying things that you wouldn't have normally bought before just because it was there and available and it was the last one there. March 2020 saw Australia plunged into its first COVID-19 lockdown. Supermarkets were wiped clean of essentials like toilet paper, flour and meat as panic consumers rushed to stock their homes for the uncertain future. The situation became so dire that Prime Minister Scott Morrison felt the need to call for a stop to the panic buying behaviour clearing supermarket shelves. Stop doing it. It's ridiculous. It's un-Australian and it must stop. A recent study from researchers at the University of New South Wales found that Australians led the world in panic buying last year at levels four and five times higher than countries like the UK and Italy. This suggested that the increase in panic buying could not be explained by lockdown announcements or virus transmission, as other countries worse affected by the virus did not show the same spike in behaviour. They concluded that in Australia, panic buying was most likely influenced by the media. There was so much news and media going around a lot of articles saying borders are going to be closing and we're going to be losing our international supply. And then I noticed there was a lot of people going to the stores, just buying everything they could. So you thought, well, if everyone else is doing it, I've got to make sure that I can provide for my family. What if there's nothing left on the shelves? Emily asked us not to use her real name. In March last year, as Australia went into lockdown, Emily admits to panic buying essential supplies from supermarkets. When it was announced in July that Melbourne was going back into lockdown, she did it again. I think it was definitely seeing everybody else panic buy. You'd be buying things that you wouldn't have normally bought before just because it was there and available and it was the last one there. And seeing that there wasn't a lot on the shelves made you go, oh, I've got to get this because we've got nothing left. Professor Ben Voyer, a behavioural scientist from ESCP Business School, says that Emily's motivations for panic buying are quite normal. Often... It's a behaviour that results from observing what others are actually doing and mimicking 
their behaviors. So there is a, a sense that if others are doing, they must be right doing so. That's, that's kind of related to what we call social proofing. We use the behaviors of others as an indication of what we should be doing. I asked Emily what the main emotion that fueled her panic buying was. Definitely was fear. Obviously, you know, if you can't find anything in the shops, you're not going to have any way of feeding your children. Not everyone's got a veggie patch in their backyard. I think it definitely came from a place of fear. I asked Professor Voyer, why does fear play such a large role in panic buying? That's really about fight or flight reaction. So people have very little time to think and they think it's a kind of first past the post type of game. And so it's about outrunning, so to say, the other uh, customers. Emily, you admit that you did not panic buy during the last two lockdowns in Melbourne. Why was this? At the time when it first happened, it was really scary because we just didn't know that there would still be food there. But I think over the last year, we've seen that our supply chains will still work. We'll still have food on the shelves. I think I'm not scared about it anymore. Professor Ben Voyer says that, like in Emily's case, Showing consumers the security of supply is one of the main ways to reduce panic buying behaviour. The main thing that you can do is, first of all, reassure people that there won't be any any major problem with stocks, uh, but also f- obviously following this with actual behaviours. So if you tell customers that there won't be any issues, you've stocked and, and every time they go to the store, the seat is reasonably replenished, then people should ease off. What you find is that People may overstock initially, but as they go to supermarkets or as they manage to order stuff online and they see that it's actually possible to get these stuff, they incorporate that feedback into their decision-making process and they stop engaging in those panic buying behaviours. With COVID lockdown still a very real threat in Australia, will media-fueled panic buying continue or will the understanding that our supply chains can withstand lockdowns prevail? That was Chloe McMillan. Next up, Li Shan Chen looks into how swarms of online trolls can have huge offline consequences. I'm Li Shan Chen, and I'm a beauty blogger and YouTuber. I have around 200,000 followers on Instagram, YouTube, and Weibo combined. I'm used to criticism, but after posting makeup tutorials for others who, like me, suffer from acne, nothing prepared me for the onslaught of abuse I faced. You're trash. You're fat. Does anyone think you're pretty? You're so annoying. Online abuse is everywhere, and the swarm of trolls behind it are nowhere. I kept everything bottled up inside and wished I could reach out to someone earlier. I also experienced the same thing a decade ago. This is eBay Xiao, a 33-year-old folk singer. In 2009, eBay's friend posted her first original song online, which is called The Song of an Elder Artistic Woman. That was 12 years ago. Social media platforms was just emerging in China. eBay suddenly became a popular internet celebrity and had a chance to tour with other professional singers frequently appeared with famous pop stars in mass media and magazines. Fans of those famous people began to get dissatisfied with me. But at this point, I was just a junior from Peking University. Millions of people attacked me online on everything, from my lyrics and melodies to my looks. You're so disgusting, you look revolting. You make- At first, eBay found these comments unnecessary but laughed it off because these kinds of comments were minor compared to the death threats that an influencer is not a stranger to. 
the real trigger was person sitting opposite me, saying that I was isolated and friendly on the internet after the dinner party. When did something happen in my real life? I was devastated. eBay then became a target for online trolls who would harass her about the stories and rumors that were shared about her in the media. If I were you, I would have killed myself already. Stop trying. You're just going to end up on the streets anyway. If I was your mom, I would have aborted you. Everything you do makes me hate you. The negative comments she received 12 years ago were just as amazing as the ones I recently received online. She has admitted that the abuse she received online from a swarm of trolls has led to her being prescribed medication for depression after experiencing anxiety attacks, which made her feel like she was physically dying. For nearly two years, I lived as a caveman. I barely talked to anyone. I was shopping, cooking, and read books by myself. But my mood got worse. I was thinking every day that my dream was to come to Beijing to study, to sing songs, and be myself. But why am I still unhappy after my dream has come true? I'm also curious about the answer to that question. She told me that she went to study to save herself. She applied for a psychotherapist exam, but what she learned later couldn't satisfy her. I constantly bothered by many negative comments that came from profiles, ones which were not following anyone, had zero pictures, zero friends, anything, and it was as if these profiles had been set up purely just for hate reasons. As we all know, the internet is swarming with trolls. Many believe the term trolling has its innocent roots in online gaming, with players wreaking havoc on others. But with the rise of social media, it's evolved into something far more sinister. According to Cyberbullying Research Center, 36.5% of people feel they have been cyberbullied in their lifetime. Dr. Annie McElpie is an expert in cyberstalking at the University of New South Wales. It seems to be something about the nature of the environment. You know, people seem to express themselves online in, in a very disinhibited way. If you create the identity of someone who is different from you, who is more aggressive, who's more out there, who'll say things that challenge and frighten and shock, it's very easy to get stuck into that role and really act it out to the extreme. Suffered from cyberbullying for more than nine years, eBay decided to fight back. I turned hurtful online comments into a positive song called "Believe In," highlighting cyber abuse. I hope people can understand and care for each other. The new song got two million views in the first week alone. And I know I was tapping into something that's much bigger than just me. You look disgusting. To eBay was her armor, and it was empowering. And this song literally changed her life three years ago. I am happy now. I can't block or completely eliminate online abuse, but what I can do is to treat others with kindness, and then build a relatively moderate small community to stick together with people of my own kind. I've been listening to her songs for two years. One of the main things that I've learned is that you shouldn't fear the swarm of trolls. It's not about you. It's all about them, and they do not care how you feel. Social media might be facilitating cyberbullying, but they didn't type the message and hit the enter key. Even though it may seem like there's nothing that can be done to stop the cyberbullying, don't give up. That was Li Shanqian. In our final story. Ying Wei investigates how swarms of like-minded people can turn on one another online. A few weeks ago, the cartoon movie Detective Conan was on. There was a quarrel in online forums between supporters of different characters. It was so widespread that people who haven't watched the cartoon knew it.
It reminded me of my experience when I was ten years old. I used to be part of an online attack too. The attack was also about a Japanese cartoon, Card Captor Sakura, and different couples in it. Lu Tong was my best friend then. She still remembers my crazy behavior at that time. Uh, yes, I knew crazy about that cartoon, especially the official couple. You talk to me almost every day, almost every day. Until now, I still can't believe you used to abuse others online. I didn't expect that either. Since started, since I joined an online fan forum, there were three main characters in that cartoon. They are Sakura, Xiaolan, and Tomoyo. In our forum, we saw one particular couple. Sakura and Xiaolan were in love. Everything was alright until one day, one of my members said she had found another forum. People there had another view. They didn't think our couple were in love. Instead. He saw Xiaolang and Tomoyo were in love, so they were crazy. I remember you said that is disgusting. So is that a reason for you to attack the forum and build the forum members? Yeah, we gathered to their forum and left comments on every post, most are insulting words. For example, we said only an idiot can see the love between Sakura and Xiaolang, and you and your awful forum should go to hell. Some of our partners even threatened to publish their personal information, and we repeated this terrible behavior every afternoon for three days. When I look back, I realize that I have become more and more extreme in forums. I feel so ashamed and embarrassed. However, apart from that, there is a question that has always puzzled me: How did things get to this point? Why did I have such extreme behaviors? I once thought that it might be because I was young and I was easily influenced by others. But similar experience happened to many people of different ages and jobs. I'm a sophomore in high school. I gathered with my friends in the WeChat group. Made insulting pictures of a male celebrity because his friends reported our favorite website. I'm a senior in the Department of Finance. One year ago, I forced an esports player to retire because he caused his teammates to lose a game. I'm a bank teller. I have a fairy boy love author. I scolded a girl who didn't like her on Weibo with other fans of the author. She couldn't afford a language attack and logged out the account. When I heard these answers, I was surprised. This interview is all look friendly. I didn't think they had ever done such extreme and even vicious things on the internet. Just like my friend Lu Tong didn't believe I've done this before. To protect their privacy, I won't disclose their names. From their answers and my own experience, I have noticed some similarities. There was a trend. These extreme behaviors happen in groups and spread by social media. Later, I heard an unfamiliar concept: group polarization. Social psychologist Dr. Stephanie Lochbier said people tend to go to extremes in the group. She also explained it in her YouTube video. Most studies showing this effect have groups of participants who all have the same attitude towards a topic, and they spend time discussing the topic together. 
And what they find is that as like-minded people talk about their beliefs, they end up having even stronger opinions. So here's the thing, the internet and social media has made it super easy to surround ourselves with people and information that supports our views, which is exactly what we tend to do anyways. Indeed, under the influence of group polarization, people only want to oppose their own views. They don't need different voices. Just like the online attack I once took part in, the only purpose is to strengthen our own beliefs. In conclusion, arguments online are pointless. After seeing too many online attacks, I decided not to spend a lot of time talking with like-minded people online. When I find that swarm of people tend to be polarized, I will stay away from them. After all, I don't want to lose myself again in extreme swarms. That was Ying Wei. Bian is from the Center for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne. It's produced on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. A massive thank you to Chloe McMillan, Li Shan Chen, Ying Wei, the Science Gallery, and all the best. Our executive producer is Louisa Lim. See you next week.